I've been quite quite pleased. I think we're all aware of this, you know, scary window that that it is for clients, and we want to make sure that we're doing everything in our power to, you know, create the best result for our clients. And that's, you know, through obviously communication, but obviously through our investment management process, which has been relatively active through this through this uh, environment. office in Lexington, Kentucky. Welcome to The Ballast Life, a series of conversations highlighting respected professionals, community leaders, and important topics that are necessary to achieving financial cohesion. Hi everyone, John Boardman here, founder and CEO of Ballast, and I'm thrilled today to be joined by Andy Reynolds, who is our Chief Operating Officer, Partner, and Financial Advocate. Uh, Andy and I have been talking uh, about several topics. Today is May 28th, 2020, and you know, over the last several weeks as things have evolved, uh, we thought it'd be a great opportunity to share some of our thoughts on a few areas specific to the markets and the economy, but also um, as it relates to our business and you know, how we're functioning in the middle of this. So uh, some topics that we want to address today, touch on, uh, would be recent market behavior. Obviously, the last few weeks have been pretty good for the markets. I want to get some comments from Andy on that. Um, our thoughts on the reopening process and what we're looking for and some of the data points that we're, um, you know, looking to, to, to use to sort of measure how effective and, and um, positive the economy is, is moving forward. Uh, a little bit about risks, maybe some people are not considering, um, as well as some of the positives that are coming out of this crisis, which I do believe there are some. And then lastly, we want to touch on our business specifically. We've had you know many questions from clients about how we're operating, so we thought it'd be a great opportunity to uh, touch on those things. So Andy, thanks for joining me today. I'm going to throw it to you first. Talking about the market specifically, um, what are your thoughts on recent market behavior and how should investors rationalize really how well markets have done of late? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I pulled up this morning just looking at the different asset classes and looking at U.S. versus international and large cap versus small cap. And you know, it's really a tale of two different stories and if you look at large cap growth it's, it's done fantastic you know positive on the year if you look at mid cap small cap value non-us it's a, it's a very different story so i i think we can get caught up in trying to look at market returns and and trying to explain a story that really is still at the beginning of, of the book um you know, we're, we're talking earlier today about where things are going and, and, you know, what the next couple of weeks look like and the next couple of months look like and how this all plays out. And I think there's still a lot of unknowns. Um, you know, interesting enough, Jeremy Siegel, the permable, the always optimist, he was on CNBC uh, the other day and he was calling for a, a real possibility of a positive market return on the S&P 500 for 2020, which in light of everything that's going on, it seems incredibly crazy to hear that. Um, but, you know, again, the market tries to predict the future and, and whatnot. We've had a good amount of stimulus so far. Um, you know, I think our tone in, in the office is that we're 
cautiously optimistic over the next 12 to 24 months and longer. Um, but we're taking out a week by week standpoint. Um, you know, anything can derail where we're at very, very quickly as we saw when, when the market sold off, um, you know, earlier in the year. Um, I, I think we are looking at opportunity right now where possibly portfolios are coming back to a somewhat normal of a negative year type environment. Um, and maybe people are getting a do over. Hopefully they didn't sell in March. Um, you know, those, those are the people who are permanently hurt are the people who got out in March and are waiting for the market to sell off again as did people in March of the financial crisis. So, you know, trying to be optimistic and believing that we, we do think we come out of this strongly, but not knowing what that timetable is, whether it's, you know, the end of the year, whether it's a year from now, two years from now, or potentially even longer, nobody knows. And, and there's so much of a potential negative impact if some type of resurgence happens. Yeah. You know, I heard a prominent hedge fund manager the other day interviewed, and this was when the S&P was about 15% down um, on the year. And he made the comment, he said, well, markets have to be overvalued because the world feels way more messed up than just 15%. And I have a real, hard, I have a real problem with that sort of analysis. I mean, really, uh, that's the exact opposite of what any good investment manager should be looking at. That takes a very static um, sort of snapshot of what today looks like. Of course, the current economic environment, you just have to look out you know, our window here at the office and say, you know, look how little traffic there is out there. Obviously, there's not a lot going on, but, you know, a good investment management analysis should look at three to five to 10 years. And so if we think about the market as just being a composition of the companies underlying it, of course, today they look much worse than what the market reflects. However, if we're actually looking at what these companies will be, I think that's most important. And with the, what the Federal Reserve has done, essentially, taking rates to a level lower than we thought was even possible. Um, they have provided a bit of a cushion under asset prices. So I think what you're, if you flip on CNBC every day or you know, read the Wall Street Journal, it's this argument behind, you know, are asset prices justified? And I think if there is any consensus out there, it's just that no one knows what right. economic conditions will look like when this ends. And I think that initial market fall off and then this subsequent recovery up till now uh, just shows you how confused the markets are, which really the markets are nothing more than just a compilation of all the investors involved and, and sort of how they guide it with really no consensus around it. So, I mean, valuations actually sit at a reasonable level if you look at interest rates, um, which is hard for people to, to rationalize, but the truth of the matter is low, very low interest rates there's a scatter plot with rates and valuations, and this does sort of fall in line with where they should be. Now, if rates move higher, that, that could change things. Yeah, I, th I think it's interesting also where you look. You know, if, if you're looking at Target or Costco or Lowe's, go there on a Saturday morning, they're slammed. Uh, and they have been for a while. But then if you go look at any of the bars or restaurants, you know, there, there's gonna be a very different story so how consumers react over the next six to 12 months, I think is, 
is so crucial for the state of the economy. And those companies now, primarily small businesses, because, you know, we're investing in large publicly traded companies, but a lot of those large publicly traded companies are dependent upon the small businesses and, and, and them either upstream or downstream buying a product or selling a product. Um, so it, it's so important to see the consumer go out and, and act again. Um, thinking about six to 12 months, and what are your thoughts on that? What, what, how important is that? And knowing that our magic eight ball is, is out of juice and, and we got to get some new batteries, but what do you, what do you see coming down the pipe in the, in the near future? Yeah, I, I mean, I think if we all agree that the reopening process has, you know, being attempted right now or has started, um, I, I think it's going to be a very, a very important 30 to 45 days to, to show that, you know, economic activity can restart and that people will feel a little bit more comfortable coming out of their house. We have some data out of China that tells us that economic activity is not going to come back immediately. Uh, however, you know, there's a big difference between us and China, you know, and one of the disadvantages that we had going into the closing was that, you know, we are not a police state, you know, we're, we're good. We sort of have people from day one that have been sort of protesting the idea of closing down. And I think there's just a real thirst for restarting the economy. So uh, as slow as, and sort of painful and, and fractured as it was that our economy closed down, I could actually see that American resilience, stubbornness, whatever you want to call it, actually being one of the very things that helps the U.S. economy get out of it. Um, I do think that as data comes out from the medical community and scientific community talking about actually how many people who have potentially been infected, um, if there's some you know, trend towards herd immunity or if we find out that the mortality risk I know the CDC released some data at the end of last week discussing this very idea, particularly out of some of the data that came out of uh, New York, that it may not be the, as high a mortality risk and we may have way more asymptomatic cases than we even realized. I just think all of those things are going to help shape what the next six to 12 months look like. We have to remember what the economy looked like, though, before this started, which was really good. And I think if we can, if this restart can, can happen and we don't have to step back again and go into another sort of lockdown or quarantine situation, um, I think there is an opportunity and a real thirst from consumers to get out there and, and live, which, um, you know, I think people are starting to appreciate all the little things, you know, from a baseball game on TV uh, to, um, to being able to go out to, to dinner without wearing a mask, all those little things people are really, really hungry to start doing again. Yeah. And I think if you look at these environments in, in the past, you've seen that happen. You know, people are, we're a consumption based economy and, and country, you know, we're kind of built on that. And, and especially now more than ever, we want more, we want to accumulate more and we want to go do things. So uh, I, I completely agree that there's pent up demand right now. And, you know, that could be a very strong positive for the economy and for the markets. Um, and if done correctly, and if there isn't some type of re resurgence from COVID-19, I mean, we could be sitting in a, in a very 
opportune time. Um, but it would be it'd be silly to just stick your head in the sand and everything's going to be perfect at the same time. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's real continued risk. Um, you know, the one thing that I just keep coming back to is we've had a, a government that stepped in and provide a lot of stimulus and, and it looks like maybe there's another stimulus package coming in the short run. That's great. How we deal with it in the long run, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, but that's been good and it's helped carry people along over the past couple of weeks. So much generosity is, is occurring right now as well. Whether it's landlords just forgiving um, rent for a month or two or whether it's banks helping out or, you know, whether it's just communities stepping in and, and giving to those who um, are in a tough spot. But, but I think all of that's a positive. And if we can go from, as you're saying, this amazing economy, put it all in a screeching halt and put it in pause and try to get it back going and there's not too much damage done in that meantime, I, I think there's an opportunity that, yeah. you know, we, we come out on, in a positive light. Um, what, what about, you know, I think the, you know, this, the market specifically, you know, unfortunately I think so many people sort of ride optimism. Their optimism, I should say, is banked on how well the markets are doing that day or that week. So maybe that pessimism that happened, you know, it feels so long ago, really wasn't, you know, six weeks ago, um, six, eight weeks ago is, you know, has been replaced with maybe some some optimism, uh, the pessimism that just I felt like might last with us for six months feels to have washed off to some extent. What are some of the risks that people may be overlooking at now that this feels like we're headed in in, in the right direction with the economy and, and also with the markets? Yeah, I think, you know, we, we talk a lot about behavioral finance and I think confirmation bias today is probably more prevalent than ever. If you want to create a storyline about the market, the economy, COVID-19, anything, you can go find that information that, that backs up your belief. So I think confirmation bias, recency bias, I think these biases run a big risk to consumers, to uh, business owners, to, to really anybody. Um, and, and you got to be really careful about that. Um, just from uh, behavioral finance and, and, and whatnot, um, you know, from, from our side of things, I think we've done a really good job of positioning clients in a good place for whatever does come. We're, I, I think we're kind of indifferent on exactly what six months from now looks like. It could look a lot better. It could look a lot worse. And, and we got to recognize that, um, you know, big picture things, I think on the back end of this, you run the risk of both deflation and inflation. Um, you know, we, we, I could very easily see companies having to continually sell things for cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. We don't want to be Japan. You know, we, we, we can't allow that to happen. Um, but if you're trying to make money and, and you used to be making three X, what you're making now, and you're just trying to be able to pay your mortgage, you may be willing to sell something for a lot cheaper. And that's a spiral that's concerning. At the same time, we have all this new money in, in the economy. Um, that can easily lead to inflation. And we talk about government debt. You know, I've always felt that 
government debt could be inflated out of, and that's the easiest political way to, to do that. So making sure that you are, we always talk about every dollar being the most efficient, positioned in the most efficient way and used in the most efficient way. Not, not the most, the best, where you're going to make the most amount of money, but efficient and optimized for you. I think now more than ever, you've got to make sure you're not on either end of the spectrum too conservative or, or too aggressive. Um, you know, chasing returns, I think it's very easy to make the argument of, you know, why do I own large cap value? I should be on large cap growth. Why, why do I own anything except for large cap growth? Put it all in there and let it ride. Um, we've talked about that in the past. It's not a storyline that's new. Um, I think you got to be really careful about that right now. And, you know, tech and, and healthcare being a big part of that, um, you know, those, those areas have done well and, and they're getting bigger and bigger as part of the, part of the S and P. So your overall exposure to that, um, you know, it, it, it's funny. We, we've talked so many times in the office, you know, we have these, daily multiple conversations throughout the day talk to clients and i was talking to someone yesterday like you know i just want to touch base it's, it's been so long and i was like you know it's only been four weeks it just feels like today things are moving so quickly and how quickly we're forgetting about things you know we we still have to deal with china and we still have to deal with the trade tensions and now all the all the stuff kind of resurging with hong kong and you know, Hong Kong is the Asian financial center. So those things have kind of been forgotten about, but they're still incredibly important. So, yeah, I think it's wise to question, okay, on the back end of this, let's just say COVID-19 goes away tomorrow. Well, what do we do with those other issues that were harming the market? That we're working our way through, but we're big, big concerns for the S&P and, and, and our economy. Um, you know, I, those things have kind of been forgotten, but I, I don't think that they're they're gone. Yeah, and I think so much focus is being paid to, you know, what companies are doing today and what their reopening looks like, which is important. I think what damage, what economic damage, what scar tissue is created from this period is is going to have, you know how much scar tissue and will, will have a huge impact on what the economy looks like in a couple of years. We can all, you know, we, we hope that that unemployment comes back to where it was, but realistically it probably will not. I mean, we'll end the year at a much higher level from an unemployment standpoint than we, than we started the year. Um, so you have a, a consumer who, who now a uh, consumer base that's now weakened and that could have an impact on consumer spending, obviously, and with 70% of our economy somehow linked to consumer activity, that's problematic. And you also could have, and, and we're not trying to paint you know, the most negative picture, but it's just important to understand that these things don't get solved with the flip of a switch. If we look back at the financial crisis, one of the issues that came from that one, the banks after that period of time were very hesitant to lend. They were regulated in a way that made it difficult for them to lend. So far, that appears to not be the case. We will see what sort of you know loan losses uh, they take, but I don't think they'll be anywhere near what they what they took during the financial crisis. 
um, primarily because of housing and, and some of the other issues that, that, that came out of that. Um, but I can see companies a little bit more reluctant to spend. We were in an environment, even though the economy was doing still quite well, that there wasn't a great deal of capital investment happening from a corporate standpoint. If companies look at this as now a new risk that they didn't have to consider before, I could see companies being a little bit more hesitant for investment than they were leading into that. And again, that's just more fuel to the economic fire that we need. And if, if companies are hesitant, that could have a, have a lasting sort of headwind. And I think those are just things people, you know, when they see the market come back, it's great. I mean, we all like to see the asset values come back, but we also have to realize that there is going to be a healing process that takes place. And um, even though, you know, hopefully we have some sort of vaccination that, that can deal with this, but it, that doesn't mean that companies will immediately be back to the level of, of activity that they, that they had before. And I think, you know, I also think about commercial real estate. I mean, who knows that this might be, I've actually read arguments in both directions that, you know, now people will work from home. And then I've heard other arguments to say, well, now people are going to want more space so they can, so they can separate their employees. Um, I think there, there's just a lot to be, to be, to be addressed. And then as you mentioned, the long-term debt load for the U S the U S is in a very fortunate position. I mean, really the programs that have been laid out of late, already in the trillions. The U.S. is fortunate in the position that it sits in the world because you could make the argument there is no other country that could do what the U.S. just did without having risks to their interest rates. And I mean, our rates continue to be quite low. Most companies, if they took on this level of debt in this short-term period of time, I think there would be some additional risk priced into their into their rate environment, which which we're not seeing, which is very fortunate. I used the analogy the other day and it's 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 not a great one, but I think it, it speaks to the to the idea of what's happening. I mean it's very much like someone who has no money left, but a flood is coming in and they go to you know the hardware store down the street to buy sandbags and they put it on a credit card. I think that was the idea that the US was saying, say, we, we really know that this is not money that we wanna to have to add to our, to our debt, but we really have no choice. We have to deal with it regardless of cost. And I think the second stimulus you're hearing about is that same idea that, you know, sure, it's, it's really not being measured as part of the budget. It's just, it's what's required to heal, not necessarily yeah. looking at what this means for us three, five, 10 years down the road. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've seen locally, we've seen some businesses already close, um, you know, not to speak to any individual one, but, you know, maybe those were already having trouble. Um, I think right now, if you use the analogy of us, you know, being in, in the eye of the hurricane, I think, I think we're out of the eye, but there's another one offshore. We don't know if it's coming it's still raining and, and it's still really dark outside, but we're sticking our head out of the basement. We're saying, you know, okay, the, the, the shed's knocked down. I know I'm going to have to fix that, but I don't know what my roof looks like. I don't know how many windows got blown out. We just don't know. It's not horrific, but there's a lot of just unknown. And a, a lot of the, to, to your point, a lot of those unknowns, we're not going to find out for a while. And it, it may be six months from now before, 
the whole thing plays itself out because in the when you come out of this, you're scrapping, you're fighting, you're trying to keep it all together and you do everything you can. And, and a couple months go by and you realize, you know, Hey, we just can't do it. Um, so that, I think those are, those are real risks. Um, you know, positive, I think it, it, it's easier to come up with the negatives for sure. Um, there, there've been a lot of negatives. Um, positives, I, I think, you know, we definitely, um, positioned, companies that were put on pause, it, it kind of provided an opportunity to step back and analyze your company. Um, you know, we, we are proud of the way we quickly got out from clients and we we're quickly trying to communicate everything that we could. And, you know, we talked to a lot of people in a short amount of time. Um, it, on the back end of that, it allowed us to kind of take a step back and, and, and think about how to improve our business. We talked to a lot of business owners who are in the same way. You know, unlike other crises, everyone was kind of put on pause and told to go home. And so if, if everyone's in the same spot, you know, your competitive advantage is how am I going to come out of this better? It's not how am I going to, you know, keep myself from drowning today it's okay. I got a little bit of time to figure out how my life raft is going to be better than that person's life raft. So I think as part of that, I think businesses will come out with new innovation. Um, you know, our, our talk with Tom Goldsby about supply chain, which I think is fantastic. If anyone hasn't listened to it, um, you know, he's communicating that as well. Supply chain will come out better. There will be less dependence on one supplier. There'll be a better system for, for all this. So I think this is a new variable that is going to now be a potential risk that otherwise people weren't really thinking of. And I think that leads to a better foundation down the road. It's not going to be the end of the year where we have that better foundation, but much, you know, midterm time period, I think we're, we're looking in a much better place. Um, you know, technology, We've done so many Zoom calls with people who never would have embraced or been willing to embrace that um, three months ago. And I think that's good, you know, good and bad. But I think there's a really good component to that and being able to do things better and more efficient and be able to use technology um, for some people who may have, may have been a little bit distant or not, not willing to, or a company content with where they are they're now being forced to improve. Um, and, and I think that could be good for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, I, every economic crisis creates an opportunity for companies to learn and you know, think about the restaurant industry. I mean, there were a few handful of companies like Chipotle, for instance, that sort of embraced you know, having an app and ordering and not have, you know, basically having people spend a lot of time in their stores and, and you've seen that they've benefited from that, but it's just remarkable to see even the sort of mom and pop restaurant now down the street sort of embracing a similar attitude. So I think the ingenuity that you're seeing among companies and, you know, from the very smallest to the very largest has just been absolutely remarkable. will make those businesses more effective, likely more profitable probably add generally to just the quality of life of people because they will have make things that much more convenient. And I think that it's hard to see that right in the middle of a, of a crisis, but there's no question that, that 
you know, if you believe in that old saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, what you're finding with these companies that are able to navigate through this, they are in many cases going to be far better off operationally afterwards. What's really interesting, particularly if you think about the, the companies that are benefiting or have benefited for this sort of tech evolution that's happened, um, you know, we obviously know bricks and mortar retailing has been challenged by, you know, the Amazons of the world. Um, I think in, in many ways that's going to speed up, you know, if, if Amazon was busy before, it's going to be even busier now and other online retails, retailers are likely to benefit. Um, you know, I hope it doesn't, you know, have all of us sitting at home forever. You know, I hope people are out and living, you know, somewhat like they used to, but, but, you know, it's definitely moved up the growth curve uh, for some of these companies. And then, as you mentioned, for companies that were, you know, potentially not adequately positioned on the right side of the trend, unfortunately, they may have been exposed um, a little quicker point. In fact, today hurts and, and yesterday hurts, you know, they declared bankruptcy. Uh, it didn't take but a few months to essentially destroy their business model. Um, it really, if you think about the challenges of the Ubers and the Lyfts out there and what, and what they're, uh, the challenge that they've provided to the rental car companies, I think there will be rental cars out of this, but their business model will probably look far different. I think it's just, it's just yeah. required innovation in such a short term period of time. And if you look at that creative destruction, which is essentially the idea of breaking industry down and, and creating new, better industry, that's happening just quicker and in a smaller window of time than what we might otherwise expect. Yeah, no, I, I agree um, completely. I, I think this, this will be the thorn in the side that when you, when you pull it out, we're gonna, things will be in a better position when that timeline is, who knows. Um, talk about our business for a little bit, John. I, I think you and I would both agree, just, amazed by staff and, and everybody and how how much everyone's given um, to our clients over the past couple of weeks. But talk a little bit about that and, and, and what we're working on to, to come out of this, again, better, stronger um, than, than where we were when we entered it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a challenge. I mean, there's no question about it. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we have a deep appreciation for our client base. We've become friends with these people we've worked with in many cases, well over a decade. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's been hard to see them go through stresses in the middle of this. And then also if there's, you know, financial concerns that come from it. So, you know, that I think has been a challenge that, that we've risen to uh, and our staff has risen to. Um, we've been a huge, proponent of investing in technology and capabilities uh, through the growth of the business. And I think all of that has helped benefit us through this. I do miss sitting across from clients and, and I miss sitting across from my coworkers. Um, I look forward to those days and getting everybody back under the same roof. Um, uh, just for people that don't know, we're operating more or less at a 50% in office, 50% out of office uh, ratio right now. So we're following the guidelines from the state. Um, and doing all the things within the building and the office to maintain everyone's, you know, distance and safety. Um, but I, I think 
we have shown a, a nice resiliency and, 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 and I've, I've been thrilled with, with everyone's willingness to step up. I, I talked to some friends that own businesses and I think part of the concern of sending, you know, employees home is that they look at it as a bit of a vacation. And, and I can tell you that I know, and, and you know this, Andy, but the, uh, the commitment to, to being available in front of the computer uh, really has risen to a level that I didn't think was humanly possible from the people in our office. Um, so I, I've been quite, quite pleased. I think we're all aware of this, you know, scary window that, that it is for clients and we want to make sure that we're doing everything in our power to, you know, create the best result for our clients. And that's, you know, through obviously communication, but obviously and through our investment management process, which has been relatively active through this, through this uh, environment. Yeah, I think, you know, the benefit of the team we've put together and continue to put together has just been so evident in this. You know, to your point of getting the, a lot out of people, I think we've probably got an email from at least everybody working, not that we've asked them to, but because they want to, you know, after 10 o'clock at night from, from every single position in the office. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a testament to, to everybody we have and, you know, I think you and I both couldn't be more thankful for them. Um, you know, I agree. It's, it's, I can't tell you how many hours we've all spent on Zoom looking at each other. It'll be nice to be back in front of, of each other. I think it'll be nice to see clients again. Um, you know, we, we, to your point, anything we can do to help clients we're trying to do right now, um, you know, going above and beyond, I think is in these times so important. Um, but you know, I, I just, I couldn't be more proud of, of what we have and who we have and also our clients. I mean, clients have been fantastic during all this, you know, looking for our advice, following advice, you know, it's, it's, it's not saying we have all the answers, but doing our very best to get the best answer possible and working closely together with, with clients, I think has just been, it's been amazing. And, you know, I've always, so a lot of people, I hate that we're going through this. I hate to see people go through this, but it's always been a question in the back of my head of, you know, clients and, and our business and, and what we have um, to show for in a time like this. And, and I think we're, we're flourishing. Um, and I'm just proud of that. I'm proud of clients and I appreciate and very humbled by that as everybody is the, the responsibility that, that we have. Um, and, and we are doing absolutely what we can to, to take that responsibility seriously and get the best possible outcome. Um, as we finish up, what, what else do you want to add today? I think this has been good. Um, yeah. This is a share information we talk about on a daily basis with everybody, but what else do you want to add? Well, I just think from, you know, to speaking to clients out there, it, it's, uh, you know, so conscientious calling and saying, well, I know you're, I know you're busy. Well, do not ever hesitate to reach out. That's what we're here for. Right. Um, you know, we've made a, you know, a commitment to be extra available, if that makes sense. I mean, we want to just make sure that we're, we're available to you. We understand that this is uh, a, a difficult time and um, we have people that, you know, are, are having a hard time with it. And it's, it's, uh, we, we want to be that open ear for you and, and, be able to talk you through the situation, um, whatever that might be. And even if you think it's a very minor thing, we're more than happy to, to step in and, and have a conversation without, with you. I, I think 
this is for those that are anxious about their financial plan sort of holding up in light of this recent circumstance it's a great opportunity to, to for us to refresh that that data for you and, and look at it and I feel very confident uh, having gone through every single household that we work with um, that the plans we put in place really don't have to be uh, amended uh, based on what what's happened because we always anticipated that some amount of risk would happen and what we've said was this next risk would come from a place that we were not anticipating it probably wouldn't be a bank-led financial crisis like it was you know 12 years right. ago or 13 years ago and of course it wasn't it was something that I think you know back in February even 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 though it was a sort of infant story I don't think anyone would have uh, very few I should say would have predicted that it would have escalated to this so um, great opportunity to review the plan and I also think you know um, just just please reach out we don't want anyone to be hesitant at all because that's that's what we're here to do and, and our entire staff has stepped up and operational to, to help you with everything that you need and even if it's just a voice or reason or just a, you know we, we've spent hours and days researching all this stuff if, if there's anything a friendly conversation you know we're we're, we're here we're here for everybody yeah well, I thank everyone. I want to thank everyone for uh, listening today. Uh, please let us know if you like this format, if there's some way you think we can improve it. Uh, we're doing our best to get out as much information. Um, really, so much of this is based on conversations that we're having internally, and we thought, why not you know, share that with, um, with all of our friends out there? And uh, so please give us any feedback where you think we could improve um, these videos or podcasts. And uh, we look forward to seeing all of you soon. Take care. The content and opinions expressed during this conversation are those of the participants and do not represent financial advice, guidance, or a recommendation on behalf of the participants or Ballast Incorporated. You should not treat any opinion expressed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of opinion, which may change as circumstances change. Ballast is not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided within. Opinions discussed are based upon information considered reliable at the time of recording. Such information is not warranted for its completeness or accuracy and should not be relied upon as such. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Listeners should be aware of the real risk of loss in investing in any security. Strategies or investments discussed may fluctuate in price or value. Investors may get back less than they invested. Investments or strategies mentioned in this content may not be suitable for you. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended to be a recommendation appropriate for you. You must make an independent decision regarding investments or strategies mentioned. Before acting on information discussed, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances, and Ballast strongly encourages you to seek advice from your own financial advisor, CPA, or attorney. Nothing discussed should be considered investment, tax, or legal advice. Ballast Inc., also known as Ballast, is a registered investment advisor. Certain advisory persons of Ballast are also registered representatives of APW Capital Inc., also known as APW, which is a member of the FINRA and SIPC. Their address is 100 Enterprise Drive, Suite 504 in Rockaway, New Jersey, with postal code 07866. Their number is 1-800-637-3211. In their separate capacity as registered representatives, securities are offered through APW. Ballast and APW are not affiliated.